Hey, Gearheads, this is Scott Thompson from the Focus on Metal podcast. And when I'm not making or listening to metal, I'm listening to everything about gear with Aaron on Signal to Noise. Hi, this is Joe Satriani, and you're listening to Signal to Noise. This is Hank 3, and you're listening to Signal to Noise. You are listening to a presentation of the Cast Iron Ring Network. For more great content like this, head to castironring.com, your number one source for the best music podcasts on the net. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 13 of the Signal to Noise podcast. I'm your host, Aaron. Joining me tonight of the Focus on Metal podcast is Scott Thompson. How are you doing, buddy? I am doing awesome. I am psyched to do this again. I, I really enjoyed the last one we did. So when you uh, asked about doing this one, I was definitely super psyched to come on again. Dude, me too. And I'm really psyched about our topic tonight, which is based off the show American Pickers. But we're doing guitar pickers. So we'll talk about all our best deals and crazy finds and all that kind of stuff and places where we found stuff. But before we get into that, what's going on, man? What's new? Ah, not much. It's, it's just been uh, it's just been a crazy couple months. It's uh, it's insane with everything that's been going on with uh, with the ring and everything. And uh, yeah, it's just been insane. I've been kind of bummed. I haven't been able to play really for uh, about six weeks now. Kind of screwed up my my fretting hand index oh, finger. Yeah. So it's been. Uh, I've been kind of bumming on that, you know, really kind of jonesing about wanting to play, but uh, yeah, it only bends about halfway right now. So. Oh, what'd you do? Uh, I had, I thought my dog was choking. I went to try to help him out. It ended up he was actually having a seizure, oh. and he basically fully clamped down on my second knuckle on my, wow. my index finger, and uh, I was lucky that uh, somebody was there to open his jaw to get my finger out, because he probably would have just decimated the entire knuckle. Wow. Yeah. So, so yeah, not playing really much right now. So that's kind of been a drag. Wow. Yeah, that's rough, man. Now, hey, speaking of the cast iron ring, though, I got to check out the Kiss episode you guys did. And boy, boy, am I disappointed I missed that. Uh, we missed you on that. I oh, really did. Uh, that was that was the end of a very busy couple of weeks. My wife had just started a new job. She'd been traveling a lot. Um, I've been at home with the kids by myself, and then working a crazy shift at work, all that sort of stuff. Um. So it, it had just been one of those weeks where I'm like, I, I just can't sway it. I just had a crash. Yeah. By the time it came, it came time to crash. Um, but man, the Kiss episode was awesome. So for everyone who's not aware, go to castironring.com. I think, did everybody put it up in their respective feeds? I know John put it up and I know Rock put it up. Yeah, no, I hadn't put it up in mine yet. Okay. I mean, yeah, but definitely John and, and Rock have it there, yeah. Yeah, so I've Iron, just been directing everyone over to theirs. Yeah, Iron City Rocks or Focus on Metal both have the Cast Iron Ring special all about Kiss. Um, and I, I got to say, man, that, that's that was a fun episode because you and I had had some similar tastes um, in the Kiss stuff. Yeah, it was kind of funny. You know, it was definitely it was definitely fun, and yeah, like I said, yeah, we, it was kind of before we started recording. It was kind of everyone was bummed that you weren't you weren't going to do it because we figured that it would be great to have to have you on and, and uh, talking about that stuff. But we had a blast. It probably if you had been on, we probably would have been like 
like three or four hours because we were having a hell of a conversation as it was. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure because I, I think you and I are probably have saw Kiss the earliest out of the bunch because I know my first show would have been the Asylum tour. Okay, yeah, so that's pretty. That's back there. Yeah, that was I. I want to say it was eighty six. It's eighty six or eighty seven. One of those two. But I, I remember that show. I'll never forget that show. It was my first ever concert, my first ever Kiss show, and my dad took me, and we actually went twice. Once we get to the um, well at the time of Pacific Arena, but the Transformer blew, mm-hmm. so the show had to be canceled. And they came back and did the show at the very end of the tour, so we were the last tour date for the Asylum tour. Wow, yeah, it's uh, I mean, there's a lot of history there, definitely is, and it was tough too. I mean, I think I think Rock did a great job putting together an agenda between him and John coming up with you know trying to keep everybody on track because. That's one of the things, too, is that at one point, actually, Richie and I were going to do a focus on metal thing on KISS just because it always comes up. And it oh, seems yeah. to be an underlying thing to, like, so many bands, so many groups. And we just thought, you know, it was kind of like the elephant in the room. But then when, when uh, you know, John had mentioned about doing the KISS thing, it was like, oh, well, you know what? I think that would be a great thing to do for the cast iron ring. So it was kind of, oh, I won't do it on focus on metal. But definitely um, – it's just you can so easily go off topic when you start talking about Kiss. Oh goodness! Well, it's because they span so much, and and this is why. And this will be my quick rant, but this is why I get so mad at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for denying them so many times. Yeah, like, like uh, you know, when when you look at one of the key things to being admitted is influence. How can you tell me that ABBA has more influence than Kiss over anything? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, no, no disrespect to ABBA. I enjoy ABBA, but for goodness sakes, I don't know anybody who has an ABBA tattoo on their chest and who chased down the lead guitarist of ABBA to get him to sign it and then have it inked in permanently by his tattoo shop back in Texas. You know where I'm going here. Yep. You know, yep. Yep. it drives me nuts. Yeah, it, it's, well, I mean, that whole thing, as, as much as, as Eddie Trunk rants, I mean, when he talks about that, whole thing with the rock and roll hall of shame i really have to agree with them because there are just so many artists that and i you know i guess we have a different kind of view but i think for some of them that they bring up it's like come on this is like universal that it's a shame that you just haven't put some of these bands in there yet that they just they span a lot of stuff and then there's other bands they put in there or just artists and things and you're like are you kidding me you know most of the people that are would are going to even go and see any of that stuff have no idea who these people are and so it's uh, it's just kind of odd how they come up with with a lot of these these artists they decide to put in. I agree, but you know which one really really bummed me out the most recently, and this one really got me thinking. So you know, I think it was like what the early '90s they opened up what they called the sidemen category, and that's when guys like Leo Fender and the non musicians got mm-hmm. in that sort of thing. Yeah. So when Jim Marshall died. Like, you know, shortly after he died, everybody started on the campaign, put Jim Marshall in the Hall of Fame, put Jim Marshall in the Hall of Fame. And at first I jumped on that bandwagon, <clears throat> and then I backed off um, for one simple fact. Why wasn't he in there years ago? Yep. You know, and I started thinking about it, and I've been working on a blog post for <clears throat> for ages now. Absolute ages, trying to trying to uh, get it all finished. But, oh man, I've got a weird tickle in my throat. But um, like, why, why was why didn't he go in the same time Leo Fender went in? I mean, yeah, yeah. who who's had a greater impact on rock and roll music than Jim Marshall? Yeah, you know, if, if you think about that, like like you want to measure impact, you want to measure influence. 
what recording in the last 50 years doesn't have a Marshall lamp? That's the yeah. short list, yeah. you know? Yep. And if it's not, if it isn't a Marshall, then it's either one, it's usually then one designed after one of his circuits. You know, yeah. it's either one of Leo's circuits or one of Jim's circuits. Yeah. They're pretty much the, the bedrock of, you know, probably 80% of the amps out there. And, and that's, that's just it. And so I start, actually started compiling my own list of artists. Uh, well, actually, um, I think maybe possibly, pretty sure it was all non-artists, but like of the sideman category people that should be in. Like, why isn't Larry DiMarzio in there? Mm-hmm. Why isn't Seymour Duncan in there? Yeah, definitely. I you mean, know? Definitely Seymour. He's had just uh, incredible, just all the different things that, um, I mean, not to take from, you know, not to take away from Larry yeah. because he was incredible too with what he did. But I, I think Seymour just, if you really start to dig into everything that Seymour did and, and has brought to the table, mm-hmm. you know, they're, I mean, he's just really just a, you know, just a fanatic about trying to find out you know the truth behind all these these tones and things and uh yeah i just yes people like that they should just be in there it's it's, it's insane exactly exactly and, and and that just that kind of stuff goes to show you how wrong it is because i mean if you're talking influence this guy's been alive for all this time and and i backed off because i'm like you know we gotta stop celebrating people after they die mm-hmm. we, we gotta start recognizing that's why um I was in St. Louis earlier this year, and um, I always joke that I was stalking Chuck Berry, but I did my best to go to every place I could that had something to do with Chuck Berry, because, you know, he still lives there, plays there. Yeah. So um, I had my picture taken with his statue. I went and ate at the place that he plays. Like, I talked the uh, owners into let me go down and see the, the area, the room that he always plays in. I was talking Chuck Berry stuff with everybody, so it was a heck of a time, you know? But it's like, Chuck Berry... I'm, thank goodness he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame where we'd really have a problem. But, I mean, it's going to be one of those things where he's going to die and all of a sudden everyone's going to be like, oh, Chuck Berry. But when I mention him now, nobody knows who I'm talking about. Yeah. And that's a yeah. shame, you know. But, anyway, that's a whole other topic for another episode. Oh, yeah. That would be, be a long one right there. Goodness gracious, it would be. So, let's talk Pickers, man. So, um, American Pickers the show. Uh, you're a fan. I'm a fan. And it's it's fun to watch and see the fun stuff that they do. And you know, and I pitched the idea to you that we talk about just where we found some weird, fun, unique finds. Um, and we just kind of go category by category here and then just talk about stuff we've come up with. So my first category was pawn shops. Now, you were telling me that you don't have really have a lot of pawn shops in the Boston area. Yeah, that's not really – it's never really been a big thing. We've got – you know, we've got one in town here and um – you know, I, I know where, where you know where it used to be. It was like parking used to suck, so just a lot of people just wouldn't even bother to go there because of that. And then they moved it to uh, to a main street downtown, much bigger storefront. And now they've actually you start seeing like one window. They keep putting like musical stuff in the front window, and I've been really tempted to go in. They've had a couple of bases up in there, and they had a nice uh, Marshall stack in there. Uh, but then it was funny because that was up in the only game in town. And then a few months ago, another one opened up across the street. And they've also got, like, right in the front window, not, like, displayed in the window, but you can see through the window. They have guitars and basses hanging there, too. Yeah. But uh, but pretty much they just it, they really just didn't have them around here. It was more that the uh, – because the music stores carried a lot of, of used gear that you'd find it – in the used gear places more than you would a pawn shop, but yeah, just around here, pawn shops just really weren't uh, weren't that they're not that not that big. 
see that I find that interesting because around Pittsburgh here, we only really have two shops that really specialized in used gear. Mm. One was called Johnny B Goods, and I'm not sure at what point they started doing stuff. And they were all used gear, and it's, a lot of it was consignment, that sort of thing. And then um, the other one was, well, is Pittsburgh Guitars. And they still have a good amount of new gear, but they started as kind of like a reseller of vintage, we'll call mm. them. Okay. Um, but, I mean, like, if they get something in used, like, it's it's good shape used. Like, they don't buy junk. Like, if they're buying, you know, secondhand guitar, it is still a quality guitar. You know, so the pawn shops are still where you go to find the stuff that's beat up or the really, really, really weird stuff. Yeah. But it's a shame. Well, shame for musicians. is good for their owners. But the owners have finally gotten smart. Like, because, um, you know, back, back in the early, early days, you could get some good deals because they didn't know what they had. Right. You know, you get these guys that, okay, you know, somebody needs money real quick. They, you know, drop off like a fender, maybe a hundred bucks. You're walking out with it with a really nice fender for, for barely a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is funny because like, probably like the closest one like that that I had been in is uh, there was a, a place that there was a radio and TV repair place. So these guys were into like tube stuff. Yeah. And every so often somebody would drop off an amp that, uh, and then probably end up just not being able to pay for the repair and they'd end up putting it out as a, you know, to sell. And every so often, uh, because I was doing something in that part of town, I would just go in there and see what they had. And, and also to see whether or not they had like any cool tubes hanging around as well. They were willing to get rid of, but yeah, I, I can remember going in there and, and, uh, one time they had a really, like, uh, just classic, uh, one of those PV Classic 50s with the uh, the tweed covering and everything. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, great shape. And uh, they were, I think they only wanted, like, 100 bucks or something for it. Because it was basically, they just, they didn't know how much it was worth. They were just like, yeah, you know, it's fixed and, you know, just get it out of our way kind of a thing. But uh, wow. that's about the closest, you know, kind of pawn shop stuff that I've r- really done. That's cool. All right. Well, so that's the short category. So, <laughs> well, but what did yeah. you find? What well, you, you know find what? I haven't done much. Yeah. My uh, my first guitar came from a pawn shop. Yeah. It was uh, my my dad bought it for me, and and, and it's funny. Like, I I don't even know why this stands out in my head, but I can remember the conversation of my mom and my dad when he was going to go down to the pawn shop. Um, she's like, now remember, dear, dress in your old clothes so you can talk them down, so it doesn't <laughs> look like you have a lot of money, you know. And and he went down. I want to say he got me the, f- the first guitar. It was a Harmony acoustic steel string, possibly a Stella. Horrible, horrible action for somewhere between twenty and forty bucks with a case. Yeah, you know, not, not a huge investment at the time. Um, best thing I've seen in a pawn shop would have probably not really been my score, but um, it was an old girlfriend's uncle's score, and he got a Fender Strat. It would have been somewhere between eighty five and eighty nine uh, model. And it was probably about, well, it, it was when they were, you remember when they were doing the lace sensors when that was really big? Yeah, yeah. So it was that model. It was it had the Wilkinson trim, and I I don't think it had the Wilkinson roller nut yet. Okay. I don't think it had that. But, um, it was, so, so we're talking that model, black. I can't remember if it was rosewood or maple fingerboard. Uh, but the guitar was immaculate. It was beautiful. 200 bucks. There you go. $200. And, and I mean, American-made, like, Legit, like 
wow, you know. And, and it's one of those things where he just used to, you know, he lived downtown Pittsburgh, so he would always walk around the streets. And he's like, I walked in the one day, I saw it, and I looked at the price tag, knew somebody had to be making a mistake, ran out uh, as fast as I could, went to the bank, got money, came right back and bought it. Yep. That's the way to do it. Yeah, so that was killer. Yeah. All right, so how about used gear stores? Now, I know you guys used to have daddies before they just suddenly shut their doors. Yep. Um, and yeah. I, I got to stop in a daddy's once, and like I say, that was a fun experience. So tell me, tell me about your best used gear finds, like at a used yeah. shop. Yeah, definitely. Um, daddy's was really good for that, um, and especially before they got like so big. So like, um, I think like their second store was up in Nashua, so that's mm-hmm. just up the road for me. And so I I started going there from the from the very beginning, and uh, I found just I was always haunting that store because you know when you're younger pretty much new is not what you're doing you're looking for used oh yeah and uh so you know as far as like effects up there i had picked up um and i still have it a original letter harmonics small stone thing just a great phaser nice. and i picked that up for 15 bucks and those things original now i mean you go look them up on ebay and you'd be like oh my god and people offer me money for it all the time Ah. Uh. It still sounds great, just you know, incredible. But that was like, that was a really cool find. That's same month up there too. I actually found uh, a Ross compressor, one of the original Stompbox gray Ross compressors, which is a great compressor. And I picked that up for like ten bucks. You're that kidding was, me? No, I was a steal. And that one there, you look that up on eBay. If anyone's even willing to sell one, they are just major dollars now for that. And of course, I kicked myself because I traded that in uh, for some other used gear. But yeah. I would love to. I would love to replace it, but that was Stompbox wise and Daddy's. That was like the best. The um, guitar wise, this will this will kill you. <laughs> I walked in one night, my girlfriend, into the Salem, New Hampshire store, and there was a Gibson Explorer hanging there, kind of beat up. Seventy six Explorer had the original neck pickup, had a seventies uh, uh, Distortion Plus in the uh, bridge. It's the one that's got the TP6 okay. tailpiece. And someone had done some bad refin on it. And the nut was had been re-glued in a little bit wrong. Totally, you know, anything totally fixable. Right. Headstock and stuff was untouched, which was great. 250 bucks with the original case. You're kidding me. Now, 250 oh. bucks. Do you still have that? And I basically, I, I just like, what do you think? And boom, just out the door with us. So and and I still have that. Nice. Yeah, it's a great. It's actually it's a great sounding guitar. And, um, one band I was in, uh, they would absolutely love when I played that guitar because it just sounds just really mean, and uh, just yeah, just a great guitar. But yeah, two hundred fifty bucks for that seventy six Explorer. Uh, Do you ever fix the finish on, or have you left it as is? Um, I actually, because it had already been badly refinned, I wasn't really worried about screwing around with it. So actually. At some point in the 80s, I had actually taken the whole body and made it look like a piece of marble. Nice. So it's like this, okay. it's like a it's like gray marble looking right now. I, at some point, I'm probably thinking I'm going to take the whole thing and put it back to the original, uh, like black, and redo the whole thing again. So, but for right now, it's like yeah, it's just it's staying like that. Great, great guitar. That's cool. Yeah, great great deal. Yeah, yeah, and probably the weirdest thing I ever found at Daddy's. 
Uh, and this goes back to your last episode, is I found an Ibanez double neck. Bass on top, guitar on the bottom. Nice. And uh, I was actually, I really wanted it. And that same same day, they had a, a Hamer um, Explorer bodied bass. And I didn't, I couldn't figure out which of these things I ended up wanting. So and I, <laughs> I went home and I was like, oh, geez, you know. And I went back up like a couple days later and they were both gone. Mm. Couldn't, I was like, oh my God. But then what I ended up, ended up getting, which was also really cool, and unfortunately I don't have it anymore, is somebody had put in, and I don't know who had this thing before, but an Aria Pro 2 uh, prototype guitar. I've never seen this body style again. It's it's almost it's like it was like BC Rich like it was red. It had like the remember how the early BC Riches had like all the switches for phasing and splitting and all that. It oh, had yeah. all the switches and everything for that. But it was an Aria and it had a thing on the headstock that it was a prototype and all this stuff was all from the factory on there. And uh, one of the the kids that used to follow our band around used to call it the critter because we didn't know there was like no model type for it. <laughs> we just called it the critter. And uh, I went back, and there was that thing. I was like, oh, this is cool, because I always wanted, ever since seeing Joe Perry in the fold-out sleeve of, of a live bootleg, when he's got that, the you know, the Strat on and the BC Rich bitch, and, yeah. you know, and, and seeing that, I was like, I always wanted that guitar. And I was like, oh, this is kind of like it. I'll get that. And I had, I, got, I had that for years, and I ended up, I traded that in for, uh, what did I trade that in for? God, it's probably... I think it might have been my JC120 that I traded that in for, but that was yeah, that was that was one of the coolest things I've, I've ever found in a year a used shop. How about you? So, my used deals. One of, one of my best used scores was actually at a guitar center on one of their t- tables. You know how that, like when they get in the used gear and they just don't know what to do with stuff, it ends up on that table. Yep, I'm just kind of tagged. I found a, in my opinion, pretty darn close to mint Sansamp Bass Di. I love that pedal. That that is my secret weapon for recording. Fifty bucks. That's a steal. Yeah, because they're what at least one hundred fifty to two hundred two hundred bucks new. Yep. Yeah, you know, that's awesome. I couldn't get over the um, I couldn't get over the condition. I mean, since the first time I used one, like the very first time we ever did any any recording as a band, um, the guy had one of the old ones. Like this is one of the newer ones that has like all the knobs and stuff you can tweak. He had the one that was like just the box. Like that's it, box run in that's it and i'm like man i love this thing so when i was out and i saw this i'm like oh this is a no-brainer i gotta buy this and then um i was in in a shop down in maryland earlier um this year well this year i guess back in august i was visiting a buddy and so there's a store i came across called atomic music and i'd never been there before we'd never been there and it's funny my um my buddy has a dust allergy Right, and which is also odd. I honestly never knew that till this time. But we walk in there, and like the place just looks dirty, right? Yeah. It just looks like an old warehouse. And this is actually the place that got me thinking about doing the Pickers episode because you walk in, and it's really the musician's dream because there are just rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of amplifiers and rows and rows and rows and rows of guitars. They have like the old glass display cases where pedals are just stacked upon each other. Yeah. You know, and so I'm like sitting there looking through this stuff. My buddy's like, what are you looking for? I'm like, I don't know, but I'll let you know when I find it, right? 
And so we're just looking through stuff, and we're there about 15 minutes. He starts um, like breaking out into a rash. He's like, he's like, okay, there must be an awful lot of dust or mold or something in here. You know, we he was a trooper though. We still stayed like at least an hour and a half. But um, so I'm playing all the stuff. So finally, finally, I see down in the one case, I notice the color of a pedal. Like you can't see any other markings. All you can see is the front, and you just see like, like you know, if you're looking at the front of a stop box, you can see the part where you're going to step on for a pedal. You can see the color of it. And I'm looking, I'm like, that is the Digitech Black 13 pedal, the Scandian signature. Uh-huh. 25 bucks. Oh. 25 bucks. Now, we're talking, this sucker was 250 bucks new. Yeah. And you can't find them anymore. No. And I checked it out. I played through it. Everything's perfect on it, um, other than being super dirty. But it sounds great. It's everything that I wanted in the pedal. And I, I always wrestled with it because I always wanted to buy one. And I'm kicking myself, though, because they had a second one that actually had the um, the zipper gig bag that it came with. And I should have just uh, asked how much that was and tried to buy that one, too. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, 25 bucks. I love this thing. And it's built like a tank. Yeah. Like, this sucker is heavy. Yeah, those. I mean, they're, they're good pedals. A lot of the Digitech stuff is, is really good. Definitely. But, yeah, that's, that's a steal. I think, you know, I think actually, I think years... Maybe two years ago, they were talking about that atomic guitar in uh, in vintage guitar. Oh, no kidding! Yeah, because it is is it kind of like in a like in a strip mall kind of thing. Like you wouldn't expect it to even be there. It's actually in an old industrial park. Yeah, it, it they they were talking about this because I guess the guy who runs it is pretty much like a like a legend in the business as far as used gear, but uh, but not like. You know, not like the guys that, uh, you know, like George Grun or something like yeah. that that are or elderly, you know, elderly instruments and things. But this is kind of more, of the, uh, you know, the other end of it, but that he's got just tons of stuff. So it sounds like the same place they were talking about in vintage guitar. And I was thinking, oh, God, I'd love to go there. Just it just sounded like like you said, it's like, yeah. you know, guitarist heaven. It, it really is. I mean, like you you name it, it's there. Like I, I played so many guitars and they had so many like decent deals. Like, um, do you remember the Ibanez with the drop D attachment? So it was kind of like a tunematic bridge, but then they had that hardware attachment so you could slide it back to drop the D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had two of those side by side. I haven't seen those in years. And they wanted like maybe I don't want to say it was one twenty five for one of those. You know, which I thought was decent. I mean, you know, they, yeah. they were that high end of a guitar, but one twenty five I'd pay, especially you know, for, for a backup like that. Sure, that's pretty cool. But um, I also picked up another heavy metal pedal that day, um, and I think also this one I got my Metal Zone. No, no, you know what? I passed on the heavy metal pedal, and I'm kicking myself. So he had a he had the Boss HM two, and you, and you know, we talked I think um, on the Nam episode about my my um, yeah that, that's your pedal yeah yeah my, my yeah. pedal lust when it comes to the Boss distortions right so the the HM two which I absolutely love I bought a second one off eBay and um, I'm just on this kick for collecting them now because I saw a mod where you can um, you, you take the bottom off you put in plexiglass and a red LED and I'm like oh I'd like to love to do that like that's gonna look cool you know uh, but I'm not touching my original yeah but um. <clears throat> So they had one there, and I went to play it with the adapter. didn't work. He um, put in a 9-volt, volt and it worked. He's like, well, yeah, you could probably clean up the oxidation. And he offered it to me for 20 bucks, And I passed. <laughs> and I've been kicking myself since. 
Yeah. I'm like, why didn't I just jump for 20 bucks? 20, you can't be that for 20 bucks. You know? Yeah, they're always, uh, you always have the things you're going to kick yourself on. Probably the biggest thing that, and I think if I ever say it again to my kids, they will stab me. <laughs> doesn't matter which one I mention it to. I, it's gotten to the point. But I am so bummed that I didn't do this. But this was back, you know, this was back in the 80s. And this was when I was deep in my Charvel Jackson lust. Mm-hmm. But I had gone into Daddy's in Nashua one day, and they had the um, the clear um, the clear guitar. God, who makes it? I can't even think of now. Who are you, makes are you it. talking to the Dan Armstrong that yes, one? Yes, thank you. For some reason, I'm thinking Jim Dunlop, and I'm going, no, you dumbass. It's not Jim Dunlop. Yeah, you're close. But yeah, but it, it's a, a original Dan Armstrong. They had not one pickup, but they, some, they had the guy had traded in and had bought another pickup because, you know, the pickup slide in and out on that. So there was two pickups that came with it as well. And great condition. The plexi wasn't scratched or anything. And I was kind of like, and they wanted 200 bucks for it. And I was like, no, I don't know. And and now I think back, I'm like, I could have had that thing, $200 with a case, two pickups. And every time I see like Joe Perry playing, you know, live, draw the line, he's playing his Dan Armstrong. I'm thinking, (laughs) Because uh, even when they reissued them, yeah, they were they were they're big bucks even for the the reissue. Never mind an original one. And I'm thinking two hundred bucks. Nobody even wanted it, and I passed it up. Like just dumb, totally dumb. You know, I I had a similar find like that with the um, when BC Rich came started started making their way back out again, mm-hmm. and um, they they started doing their plexiglass guitars. Yeah. So there was the red acrylic Warlock, and okay. I saw one used. I want to say it was like maybe like one twenty five or one fifty. Yeah. And I mean, new like those. I think we're going for between five hundred and eight hundred. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh. And I thought about it, thought about it. I'm like, nah, I really don't need it. But man, it's one of those things where you, you think, I'm like, man, that would have just been cool. You yeah. Know, well, even, you know, if I made a lamp, you know. They're also really good for recording, though. They kind of have a real neutral sound. So for a lot of modern like recording. Yeah. Especially, you know, when you're not amping, but you're just doing everything digital and stuff. Those are really, really good for those for recording. Huh. So, and and let me let me just think of this from a physics perspective. But is it because of the way that the acrylic would vibrate, or in this case, probably not vibrate? Exactly. It's just a stable kind of, I guess, non-tonal mass. So it's huh. all just very neutral. Yeah. Okay. Now I got to try that out. Yeah. I'm gonna be looking for that. That's pretty sweet. All right, so I'm trying to think if there's anything else for the used shops. Oh, no, I know what I want to ask you. So, Daddy's Music. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was surprised to hear that they went out of business. Yeah. Um, but when did they get their start? Like, did they start in the 70s, 80s? Like, like, and they started up in, was it Boston or was it, like, further? Actually, they started in Connecticut. Connecticut, okay. Yeah, that's where they got the, it's, like, pathetic, right? I'm, like, such a gear hound that I, like, I know the history of Daddy's. <laughs> But um, they started in, in Connecticut, and he had a little, just a little tiny shop. Yeah. It was always, like, just full of all kinds of crap. And his daughter, Candy, used to call it, I'm going to Daddy's Junkie Music Store. <laughs> and so that's when he finally decided to call it Daddy's Junkie Music, because that's what his daughter would call it all the time. So then they kind of expanded up into this area. They did Nash, or they had a big store in, in Manchester that yeah. actually his daughter, Candy, would, used to run. Uh, they had uh, a a really big two-level store, killer gear in Boston, right near the Berkeley School of Music. Yeah. I used to love going down to that. We'd like we'd go down. We hit Jack's drums with my drummer, and then we'd go down to Daddy's, 
for me. So just killer. But they just kept expanding out and, and just they had stores popping up everywhere. And then they had a big warehouse up in Manchester. Wow. And and it used to be that that was kind of like nobody went to the warehouse. And then like the probably three years before they went out of business, they started to do a sale like around December where they had like a, a one weekend where they would open up the warehouse for people to wow. go directly to the warehouse. They would send a flyer of like a big ton of what they had up there yeah. and just would have killer deals. And then it was kind of like, all right, things are probably not going like that well, if that's how it was. And you could kind of see it change too, because initially like when they were in Nashua, they had a few lines of stuff, a lot like they would carry a lot of PV stuff. And uh, but they really weren't a Fender dealer yet. They weren't a Gibson dealer yet. It was all pretty much uh, a lot of used gear they were depending on. You know, so it was great for doing that. But then they slowly started to get the Fender dealership. They got the Gibson dealership. They started to get get a lot bigger. But I think they just kind of brought in too much stuff, and they had too many stores. And um, and then slowly you started to see Guitar Center start to come in around some of their their stores as well. So started to get a little bit more competition as well so gotcha. it, yeah, it's it's and then um i know when they were you know like i used to go up and like i'd know the managers and everything and they would let me try anything i wanted to try and um i think just even in general a lot of the people that then started to work there in the last couple of years were just really weren't up to snuff with being able to answer questions or know what the heck you were talking about and stuff like that so it was um yeah it was kind of like I had gone up uh, a couple years ago, and one of the things they started to stock was a lot of B-stock stuff. Yeah. And I went up one night, and there was a Joe Perry Boneyard. Oh, I was yeah. like, oh. I looked at this thing, and, and then I looked at the price tag, 400 bucks, And I'm like, what the hell? And I take it down, and I look, and it does have B stamped on the back of the headstock. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, what the? And I, I brought it up, and I'm like, I'm taking it. Like four hundred bucks, I'm taking it. Yeah, and I couldn't find anything wrong with this thing at all that would make it a B stock. Like I got like a B stock flying V, and I could. And the reason it was a B stock, I could tell, was they they didn't mount the bridge right. So the okay. bridge was sitting on top of the of the uh, plastic pick guard. So when you played it, it would make this weird vibration, and it sounded god awful. Whether you did it acoustic or you did it through the pickup, but I knew all I had to do was, you know, I just had to do a little bit of work, remount the the bridge the right way and be golden and i did i remounted the bridge and i actually threw in some seymour duncans in it too and nice and, and now now it's like people that come to record they love that v they yeah like, this thing is incredible but anyways so yeah they bring the boneyard up to the counter and the kid looks at it and he looks at the tag he's like well you must have switched tags i'm like no it's a b stock he's like well he doesn't even know what it, he's like what's a b stock Oh, come on I'm like i'm thinking you're working in a music store you don't know what a b stock is yeah he had no idea i had it Turn it over. I'm like, see, it's it's a B stock. See, it's on to be in the back. And well, okay. Well, what does that mean? I'm like, well, you know, I had to explain to him like what a B stock was and stuff. And he still wasn't. He's like, well, I can't. I don't see what's wrong with this. I'm like, well, you know, to be honest, I don't see what's wrong with it either. But it's a B stock. That's the price tag. And he's like, okay. So I got it for four hundred dollars. But I mean, that's kind of the level that. I mean, typically you walk in a guitar store, they yeah. they should they should know that stuff. Oh, you know, three to six, yeah. Maybe not a pawn shop, but a, you know, a, a guitar store they should. So yeah, it's it's a it is a bummer though when I drive by there now and see you know, empty locations where Daddy's, you know, was. But you know, you see that with a lot of stuff too. That yeah, when when E. Worlds was around here, that um, 
I remember when they went out and uh, they had a huge sale of stuff and I went up and I didn't have a lot of cash and, and I went into the Salem store and it was like, at that point it was 60% off. And I looked around and the guy couldn't tell me if the price that was tagged was the price, the discounted price, or was it 60%? You know, he couldn't tell me what the price tag meant. And they had a bunch of Paul Reed Smiths. Oh. And I'm like, wow. oh, God. And so then my buddy Paul worked at the Nashua EU World. So I went up and I visited him. And he's like, oh, no, everything, the way it's tagged, that's the original tag. So it's 60% off the tag. And I'm like, you're kidding me. So while I was there, I picked up um, a Digitech acoustic pedal, the one that does the acoustic simulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So pretty cool. So I, I paid like like nothing, like 20 bucks for it. Nice. And uh, then I hauled ass back to Salem. All the PRSs are gone. I'm like, ah. So missed out. But yeah. And so, you know, you watched, I watched E-World just go out, watched Daddy's go out. And then uh, another store that was good, and you must have had them around you too, was Mars Music. You know, I've heard of them, but I've honestly, I don't know if I ever got to go in one. Really? I, I, we had one of those, the closest one, there was one in Boston. There was one way out in Natick. And that was, it was a huge store in Natick. And, uh, they had just killer, killer stuff there. Just any kind of piece of gear you wanted, basically, they had. And when they went out, actually, musicians' friend bought all their stock. Wow! So it all it all went, you know, all went to musicians' friend. But it's that was just a killer store to go to too. So it's been it's kind of been a bummer that some of these really good guitar stores have just been been going out. So, well, you know, the one that depressed me the most was when uh, when I heard that Manny's, the original Manny's, closed in New York. Yes. I mean, yep. That's where Hendrix got, you know, some of the most famous strats I think he's ever owned. That yeah. that was just a piece of history shutting down. That was a shame. Yeah, that whole street. I mean, really, that whole yeah. street has kind of been slowly dwindling. I actually have a, a, a book um, that uh, one of Manny's kids put out that basically talks about the store and all the people that went in and all that stuff. It's 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 a pretty cool book. But uh, I, yeah, I was bummed to, to hear that 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 went out. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's kind of weird when you're a gear geek. These things that most people are like, yeah, whatever. You kind of you do get bummed out. Even yeah. the fact that, you know, at one time, and a lot of people don't realize this, but at one time Boston was for the East Coast was actually like the music hub. That even musicians from New York, because you think, well, New York, they'd be just they'd get all their stuff in New York, but all oh, these yeah. big band guys and stuff, they'd all take the train into Boston because Steinway was here, nice. Gilda was here, Stromberg was here. I mean, just like. A lot of major manufacturers and even just people who were just small but incredibly well-known, they were all based kind of in one general area, um, like right off of, of the Boston Common. And, and so it kind of bums me out. I'll walk through, and I had taken my brother through a few years ago, and I was pointing out, oh, yeah, like that was where the original Steinway store was, and that's where this guitar place was, and that's where this you know place was. But all these guys would all come into Boston. So it's, it is a bummer when you walk through there and you realize that all those places are all gone now. Yeah, it's just, that's, I think that's a, a gear symptom, you know? Well, you know, it was when you got me thinking of now, like when we talked about Manning and his kids, mm. um, Ed Roman passed away. I think mm. it was, was it just this year? Or was it early, or was it late I last think it's year? last year. But that one shocked me, because like I... Like, you know, and for anyone who's not aware of Ed Roman Guitars, go out. I think it's edromanguitars.com. But um, so he had his store in Vegas. And I always remember seeing the ads, you know, best selection. So the first time I got to go to Vegas, 
I was sent out there for work. And as soon as I was done working, the next thing I did was find his shop. Yeah. And go hang out. Now, I got to say, some of the prices he had on stuff was ridiculous. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but, I mean, the collection of weird and unique guitars, best yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. And going back to your thing about BC Rich. Yeah. When the when Bernie first went out, Ed bought all of his leftover stock. Necks, bodies, all of that. So, probably when you were there, he probably had a ton of really killer BC riches. You just explained a lot for me. Yes. Yes, he did. And that, that, cause I'm wondering, I'm like, man, where'd he get all this stuff? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, but so like his daughter has decided she's keeping, she's keeping, um, the shop. I guess the shop's kind of open to the warehouse, but it's, it's appointment only if you want to get something out of the shop, but yeah. she's keeping the website open and keep, keeping like all her dad's stuff up. Like you ever, have you ever gone out there and read his articles? No, no. Uh, you know what? It's it's a really neat piece piece of history. It's it's fun because it's all first hand stuff. Yeah. And you know when he met this person or this person or this person. And the one article I was getting a real kick out of was um, he helped set um, ZZ Top Billy Gibbons. He helped mm-hmm. set Billy Gibbons up with one of his um, what are the Jupiters? I think. Yeah. I think he set him up with one of those. Or, or 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 something. There was there's something they did they did there. This Photoshop, but just like all these great firsthand stories of manufacturers that, that he had. Yeah, you know, from from the relationships he had with those guys. Like there's some good stories out there. Yeah, it's funny actually. He was they were featuring that because um, when you talk about about American about American pickers, they also yeah. have American Restoration. Oh, I love and that show. One of the recent episodes, they actually brought a uh, a Moserite guitar to Ed Romans. No. Was, what drove me nuts was that this the guy's, I guess his girlfriend or whoever, was bought a Moserite Ventures model for his son to give him for his birthday present. And neither one of them actually knew anything about what this guitar was. I'm like looking at it. As soon as she pulled it out, I'm like, that's a Moserite Ventures model. And sure enough, that's what it was. But they couldn't even really tell like what it was and how valuable it was or oh, anything wow. like that. I'm like going, ah! You're gonna be kidding me! But then the next thing you know, you see him walking in to uh, to Ed Romans, yeah, and uh, and they kind of basically told him, you know, what it was and how much it was worth and stuff. But it was funny that, uh, yeah, you know, like that that shop kind of pops up. But it was cool to to see that as well to see, you know, the, they talk about Ed Roman, man, and a Mo's right, dude. That's yeah. like probably the most famous punk rock guitar ever, thanks to the Ramones. Yeah, and it was and it was actually in pretty good shape. I mean, the, you know, the neck and everything looked really good. Uh, the knobs and stuff looked good. The bridge looked immaculate. All it had was that, you know, it's got like that German cut on the body, yeah. and kind of the kind of just the bottom bouts of the body were just kind of really beat up. And like when they brought it into uh, uh, Ed Romans, this one guy that was there was like, "Yeah, well, whoever had this guitar either really loved it or really hated it, <laughs> one of the two. But it was like, oh, this thing was just it wasn't really you know pretty cool shape." And, uh, of course, this guy, I mean, that guy, if you ever watched that show, they, they fix and repair everything. And he was like, I don't know anything about, about doing guitars. And I'm thinking, come on, it's easy. Guitar, it's a guitar. No problem. But, Man. yeah. So if you see that one, you'll, you'll probably drool over that guitar. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll be Googling that one. All right. So while we're on shows in, in Vegas, uh, you ever watch Pawn Stars? Every so often, yeah. Did you catch the one where Les Paul's – No. Not Les Paul. It was Mary Ford's nephew brought in his Les Paul that he got from her. That was Les Paul's Les Paul that he gave to her. No, I didn't see that one. 
you've got to Google that episode. I can't remember what they what they ended up buying it for. Yeah. Um, and I want to say. Trying, I'm trying to remember now, but I want to say it was like the SG style when they were calling the SG style. The, yeah, so like a like a sixty sixty one. Yeah, and yeah. what was cool about it though, like what made this really cool, is the fact that like Mary Ford would have played it live. I I think they had a picture of her with it, but you could see on the back where she had the set list still taped. Okay, they actually, but, I think they featured that one in um, one of the issues of uh, Premier, of uh, Vintage Guitar. I think last year. Nice, nice. I think they had it on the cover, and they did a little story about it. Uh, now that you say about the set list, yeah, yeah, uh, that was a cool episode. That that was cool to see. Yeah, I, I, they had another one that was kind of a bummer one that I I happened to flip the channel and catch it because I saw a Les Paul. It was a black Les Paul, and some poor guy brought it in and thought it was like a really vintage Les Paul. And the guy came down and he was like, "Nope, it's not." And I guess all this time he thought he had like this Aww. really like killer, you know, old vintage guitar, and and uh, so he ended up like, "No, well, it's been." been a good player i guess i'm just going to keep it and stuff but he kind of was kind of bummed he thought he was going to get something you know yeah. some good cash for it and ended up that uh you know it was like nope i think i think basically it came down to looking at the uh the, the pot values and stuff and realized that it was uh yeah not what they were saying it was ah bummer but every time that they've got the uh the uh, not the oldest guy, but the the father there. Whenever he's doing his little asides and he's talking, he's always standing in front of those racks with the guitars. It's like killing. Yes, yes. I'm like, Come on, pull those out. Pull those out. Yeah, I want to see those. All right, man. So let's talk guitar shows. So like, do you guys get a lot of guitar shows uh, up in your area? Not really, and I think it's because they they did. Um, I think whenever they do it, they just don't really get very good turnout. But part of it's probably because they just Whenever they do do them, they hold them in like just really out of the way places. So instead of, you know, of a more central located place, they hold them in just some god awful places. But we've had a couple and I've and I've gone to them and it's been and I get all, all psyched up like, yeah, all right, this is going to be awesome. And and then I kind of get there and it, it's they're always kind of a letdown because I guess probably because I want to I'm thinking of like all you hear about things like the Arlington Guitar Show and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And these and these are like by the same companies that put those out. And they just like they just don't measure up to to what you expect when you go there. So, um, not too many of them that that happen around here. So funny you mentioned Arlington because mm-hmm. I keep looking at that one and thinking I need to try and plan you know quote unquote a family vacation around that <laughs> one. Because um, I, I was looking at that and the pictures, I'm like, okay, I because because we 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 don't have much close here, and I'll talk about those. But um, I've been, I've been to a handful, and I would I would love to see. A big one, you know, like probably the biggest I've been to would have been the Philadelphia Guitar Show. Okay, and I caught that one. And I, think, I can't remember if that's in the Philly Convention Center, but um, that one I scored. I'm looking around the room to see if I can find it, but I scored my Voodoo Labs tremolo pedal for eighty bucks. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that was a good deal. I, I was really happy with it because I, I wanted trim pedal at the time, and I th- I want to say that those are still probably like around one fifty, yeah, or better. You know. And so I found that, and again, near mint condition, you know, really not a lot of wear and a lot of scratches, 80 bucks. I was tickled with it. It's been a great, great pedal. Um, but that that was a killer show. But um, the show that I go to, well, that I used to go to a lot, it was actually out in Columbus, Ohio. So that was about a four-hour drive from here. And, um, me, and, me, and me and a bunch of buddies would typically get up. It's because it's, it's a one-day show. It's only on Sundays. So we get up. 
like really early, probably by five or six in the morning, you know, five or six in the morning, drive out for when the show opens at 10, spend the entire day at the show, and then we drive home. You know, that was, and now, now, now in my older days, my wife and I drive out, we stay overnight, go to the show on Sunday, and then we drive home. <laughs> but um, that, that show, man. Let's see here. I had oh, okay. you want to talk about kicking yourself for stuff? So check this out. I bought a Mustang base, a Fender Mustang base. Now, it, granted, the finish wasn't perfect or anything like that. I want to say I paid somewhere between eighty or hundred bucks for it, right? And I cleaned it up real nice, shined up all the all the um, hardware and stuff. And then I said, I'm like, you know, what am I going to do with a short scale base? Because I've been playing P bases, you know, since I was thirteen. So short scale. I didn't see a value in it at the time. Now I could definitely use it for something, and especially just getting older, and sometimes my hands just don't feel like cooperating. But um, I sold it at that show before I even made it into the show. Sold it in line for I want to say one fifty, maybe one seventy five. Yeah, you know, and I could have probably gotten more than that if I still had it today. Yeah. Now was it a competition one? No. 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 I just want to say it was just just a, a basic Fender. Or no, you know what? What were, what were the other short scales? Maybe it's not a Mustang. What am I thinking? Music Master. Did Music Master, does that sound right? There's, yeah, there's that, and there was the Bronco. No, it wasn't a Bronco. It might okay. have been the Music Master. Maybe that was it. Okay. But it's, it's, still, it's still one of those older short scales, either a Mustang or a Music Master, one of the two. I'll have to, I'll have to Google it see where I can find it now. But, uh, yeah, so that, that um, I sold that at that show. I picked up... Um, one of the Pandora, the base Pandoras that Korg made. Okay. For yeah. um, I, it was either twenty five or fifty. I want to say maybe closer to fifty. No, I wouldn't pay that much for it. Let's call it thirty. But I picked that up. That's been a great practice tool. The one I'm kicking kicking myself for missing that show. Uh, do you remember the the PV micro micro stacks? Did we talk about these before? Oh, I remember them. Yeah. They had a PV micro stack one fifty, like. Head two cabinets. Yeah, that's. I mean, that, that's that's short money for that, and those are easy to tote around too. That's yep. Yeah. And I remember my because that was probably the only show I think my that I drug my wife to for that one. And we're walking around, and I'm thinking about it, thinking about it. She's like, "Well, do you you know you want to pick it up?" I'm like, "No, no, I really don't need it." And I've it's one of those things where I think about it all the time. Yeah. I'm like you know that would have been great for this. That would have been great. I'm like ah. I kick myself over there because I just I I love the sound of them because I had a friend who had one, you know, and I always told her I'm like when you sell this, let me know because it's an awesome awesome amplifier. I said I'll buy it from you, and then you know years go by. I'm like hey, you got the PV show? No, no, I sold it to so and so. I'm like, come on, she's well, she needed an amp. I said, well, what happened to it? Well, she sold it. I'm like, okay, I'd still have it. Just saying, you know. Yeah, and they that was they hold up all that. It's amazing all the PV stuff holds up. I mean, I've got, I still got my uh, my PV TKO sixty five. Yeah. That that amp has literally been underwater. Wow! Tell me and, more about this. And story. it still works. And it and it's of course you know all of the particle board cabinet kind of like blew up, so it's kind of expanded. But the amp you can still plug it in, and the sucker still works. It's That's amazing. amazing. And uh, but the stuff does last. You know, I I. You know, when I was playing bass, I did have a habit of buying like PV preamps and things like that, and and they, 
they held up really well. The only thing that was always crazy about about the PV stuff, and uh, I've gotten better about it now, finally, but I always had a problem with input and output jacks coming loose. Yeah. They used to drive me up a wall, but other, but it seems to be better now than it, than it was. But stuff holds up, and so, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'm sure that that amp is probably still working just fine. Yeah, I would have loved that. What what was the popular 60 watt amp that PV put out in the, in the mid 80s, like somewhere between 86 and 90, like in that that era? Do you remember uh, what those were? Was it the Bandit? The Bandit. It was the Bandit. There was the backstage. Bandit. I think it's the Bandit. Because you're talking about the loose jacks. A buddy of mine had one of those, and he was forever losing the nuts on that thing. Yeah. You know, they would always just, just twist right off so easy. And they yeah, were, it, was, it was always falling out. Yeah, it was crazy. Because I, I had a, I had a, I don't even remember what model it was, but I had a, 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 a base preamp, so just a rack mount preamp. And yeah, it was always the output stuff on the back was loosening up. And then after a while, the, the, the uh, nuts that were holding the pots in yeah. on the front would loosen up too. Yeah, it just it drive me crazy. It'd be one thing if it was sitting on top of a cabinet and getting rattled, but this yeah. wasn't even that. Yeah, I mean, we had I had gone to the guitar show a few years ago. Yeah, and uh, I like I said, I was just I was bummed. I walked in, and I was expecting to just see like all kinds of just really cool stuff. And I know it was uh, there was pretty much people selling a lot of like old overpriced acoustic stuff. Mm, yeah, and there was a lot of people selling like back issues of you know guitar magazines or just parts. And probably the the coolest thing that was even on the show in the show wasn't even on the show floor, but it was actually out in the lobby. So Rumble Seat Music had their display in the lobby, and they had like some fifties Les Pauls and stuff like that. So it wasn't even on the floor; it was on the lo- in the lobby was the wow. was the coolest vendor. So it was it was just a kind of a real bummer of a show for me that I was thinking I'm just going to see all kinds of cool stuff and. And if anything, I hung out the most in the lobby, just drooling over these, like, you know, they had, like, you know, 54, 55 model stuff and just just incredible Les Pauls. And I was like, oh, you had to be kidding me. But inside, they just, it just wasn't much. It was it was a real drag. And I, I was thinking, one thing I was trying to find is I've got a, uh, speaking of short-scale basses, I have this old Cameo bass. I don't know if you've ever seen a cameo or not, but it's got yeah, like right. a 335 type of body. Okay. It's not it's it's a cheap bass. Um but it's got a cool sound. It's kind of like a short scale. It's kind of got a plunky sound and it's uh it's a hollow body, but uh the the um, tuning machines are just kind of beat up. In fact, one of them is actually missing the head of the tuning machine entirely. So I was like, yeah, maybe I'm going to I'll be able to search out here and find even just something that's in that same vintage tuning machines and stuff and just yeah just nothing it was just kind of like pick guards and knobs just little odds and end things that was just really it was just really disappointing of what was there so was it like a really small show or just nobody brought anything it was it was it was a small show i think it's a combination of just a small show and just people just i don't think they just got the right dealers in there you know and this was one of those ones that um you know, it was essentially run by the same people that run, like like the Philly one, like the Arlington one. It's that yeah. same group of people too. So I was thinking, this is going to be just killer. I'm going to get you know find some cool stuff here, and and uh, I was really bummed. It was at that point I went out and I was like, all right, I have to, I'm Jonesing now. And I ended up I was like, guys, we're going to Boston Guitar Works, which is kind of a Boston Guitar Works, which isn't in Boston. It's in Brockton, but uh, it's 
it's one of these stores that yeah. um, either you know about it or you don't know about it, but a lot of uh, bands end up going there. It's it's not too far from uh, the Tweeter Center. Or it's the Comcast Center now, but it's not too far from there. So a lot of bands that will pull in there, and while things are getting set up, they they'll hightail it over to Boston Guitar Works. So, and you know, it wouldn't be unusual to walk in there and like Brad Whitford's in there checking out a '65 amp or a Three Monkeys or something like that. Like those guys will go down there and see what's in there. And there, before you got. Um, before, like people like Guitar Center started carrying a lot of these, uh, like ZVEX effects pedals and all the other little boutique effects pedals, yeah. you'd walk in there and they'd have the glass display cases full of effects pedals from people you never heard of. Just all those boutique pedals, they have them. You were talking about this years. place um, last time we did an episode, and I was going to ask you because it sounded like that place. Yeah, I would like to come to Boston just to go to this store, and, and especially now after this story. Yeah, it's it's amazing just the amount of stuff that they've got, and you know, I mean, how often do you walk into a guitar place and they've got things like John Sir guitars, like yeah. three or four of them? And before Orange really came back, they had the full Orange amp line. Sixty five is there, like I said. Three Monkeys, they've got those. It's it's just it's like I said, it's a really cool, really cool shop. And but it's you would actually just drive right by it. You literally, you if you're not like looking and you kind of would already know what it looks like you drive right by the place and not even notice that it's there so it's not like they've got a big window or anything it's like just this little you know nondescript brick building and just you know a little door walk up the door and go inside and then you're like oh my god like all the stuff um they have just and the one thing that i was really wanted to get that day it was just a little out of my price range that they had but they had some um use schultz power soaks and I always wanted to get a, a one of the power soaks. Yeah. And uh, it just, but it was just kind of just a little bit out of my price range that day. But they had a whole bunch of, of uh, Schultz gear there. Some of it even brand new. But uh, yeah, cool place. Dude, that's awesome. We have a place similar to that uh, locally called Pianos and stuff, and it's honestly the same kind of vibe that you're describing. They don't they don't have as much of the custom pedals, but like you, if you see it on the street, you're gonna think that it's like a pawn shop because it looks horrible on the outside and then you go inside it's two floors the the upstairs is dedicated to basses and acoustics they have all this amazing gear like the place is just packed wall to wall with stuff you know but you'd never know it if you didn't know it yeah it, it's it's amazing and i think i think they actually just kind of like it that way you know of yeah of that you just don't even know what it is but uh yeah it's it is. It's just. It's just a cool place. That's killer, man. Yeah, and they've they're back to the website's bostonguitar.com, and uh, you can actually shop online for some of their stuff too. So, I mean, That's cool. As I'm talking, I'm bringing it up. <laughs> like, what I, do they got? I'm like, yeah. I haven't looked at it for a little bit. I'm gonna have to go ch- check that out. Like, I, I'm gonna see that place. But um, yeah. So like like we were talking earlier about yeah. like oh I've got the small stone. They've got the Electroharmonics Badstone, which nice. is another model that I've from mine, and that's they want five hundred for that. Wow! Um, have they got a baseballs, a vintage baseballs for two forty nine? Have Have you played through one of those? Uh years ago. So it was funky. I, I like the old Electroharmonics stuff, but I remember when they used to put like you know the ads in like Circus Magazine, and you have the whole page of just all of these um, different electro pedals. It was pretty cool. 
So. I really want to like the baseballs pedal, but yeah. every time I try one, I don't know if it's just not if I'm getting a bad pedal or if it's just not what I expect. It, I, like I love the fuzz, but I wish I could do the fuzz without the um, the, the envelope filter. And the envelope filter never seems to have quite as much control as my DoD FX25. Yeah. Hey, they got an Ibanez TS10 for 129. That's not bad. Yeah. I remember you guys were talking about that on the on your Ibanez episode. Yep. Too. Yeah. Dude, my my tube screamer that I picked up in California, I love that thing. Yeah. Love the sound of that thing. But um, so guitar shows around here. We've never had a lot locally. We we had a couple that came through in Pittsburgh, and they're a lot like what you were talking about recently. Like they they're pretty pretty much a letdown. Like you know, just not a lot of stuff, not a lot of choices, a lot of the same. But um, recently, there's this guy, and he I guess he does record shows. Like he started out his site's like lpsound.com, so he started out doing a lot of record shows, and just the last couple of years started doing what he calls now the Pittsburgh Guitar Show. Which makes me laugh because it's probably 20, 30 minutes outside of Pittsburgh uh, in Manaka, Pennsylvania. Like not even close enough to consider really a suburb necessarily of Pittsburgh. But um, like the, I went to a show last year. It was good. I went to the show just recently. It was really good. Like they had a ton of like old guitars, good vintage guitars, good cheap odd guitars. So like, you know, a couple cheap Warlocks. Um a couple of cheap Ibanez, those sort of things. Effects were a little on the thin side for me. Um, but they had a bass vendor there. It's called the Bass Palace. This guy I love because I actually discovered him at the Columbus show I was talking about. And um, I drove the entire way from here to Scranton one day just to buy the bass that I passed up when it was in Columbus. Uh, but I mean that, that that this guy's really been doing a great job. Like it, it's been coming up. Like there were a lot of parts. Um, the oh the one of the vendors they had like literally had all these great kind of pre finished bodies like kind of cannibalized guitars they're selling. Um, one of the coolest guitars I saw was a oh what I'm not sure what year Strata was, but it looked identical to Ingves. Okay. Like right down to, um, I want to say they even had DeMarzio's in it. And I don't think it was aged. I think it was actually legit. So it had the nice, that white turned into cream color and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it, it was like worn in just the right places. Like, like it just had that that wear. So it, has, it had to be somewhere close to it. But um, they had a lot of good stuff, man. But some of the weirdest things I've seen, like at the guitar shows, and that's why I love guitar shows. And like, do you remember in the '90s when Gibson, the Gibson Fender uh, vintage mar- market exploded? Yeah. So that killed guitar shows for me for years, because before that happened, you could go to a guitar show and get a lot of variety, you know. And one of the things that you know we were talking about earlier that I sent over is um, the I found the PV Vandenberg in powder pink. Right, and then a pink snakeskin warlock. Those are two of the two of the craziest things I've seen at a guitar show, you know. And and that was the '80s, but I mean, like, that was cool stuff to find. And then the Fender and Gibson thing burst, and literally, that's all you saw from every dealer. Yeah, it used to be every table was different. There's something new, and then and so I didn't go for about a decade or at least. You know, I stopped going after that. I'm like, I, I know every Fender gives a model off by heart, really. I don't need to come out here and see them. 
Um, I wanted to find something interesting, you know. Yeah. You ever? Um, Do you ever play the Vandenbergs? Uh no. I never. You know, actually, I never did. I had a. I almost did once because I had a guitar player that was really was thinking about getting the um, the one that was in like a the black with the graphic, but yeah. he he ended up going for. Uh, believe it or not, the Ibanez Roadstar. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I never got a chance to actually play the Vandenberg. A buddy of mine um, had one, and, and I, I keep wanting, trying to want to track him down. He lives in Maine, um, but he had one that he picked up used. It was black and had like you know it was that puzzle piece cutout thing. Yeah, dude, that is one of the th- lowest action guitars I've ever played in my life. I couldn't get over how low the action was, how flat the neck was, how thin the neck was, how fast it was, and and again, like I can, you know I think we talked before. I kind of wrote PV off in the early years. And it's been in my my you know older years here that I've really come to appreciate what they do. That guitar did not get near enough credit for what it is. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, it, when it came out, it was pretty much. I mean, the market was tough at that point. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I think that pretty much, believe it or not, that Kramer was pretty much ruling the roost at that point. No, I remember that. Yep. You know, it was pretty much that was, it was you know the Pacers, the Strikers, everybody wanted those. It was even. You know, it was killing me that they were even, you know, kind of winning over the the Charvel Jacksons as well. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty much in that camp. But uh, it was it was a tough market for anybody else to really come in to do that. So for PV to come in and try to hit the Superstrat market, you know, with that with the Vandenberg model, even you know, as big as White Snake was when that came out, it was it was tough for them to to, to try to get any any chunk of that market. A killer guitar, though. Absolute killer guitar. But, you know, the Snakeskin Warlock, like, um, I, don't, I, I don't know how much you followed BC Rush. Like, I always loved their shapes, but it was towards the end of the 80s when they went Snakeskin is when their quality sucked. You remember that? Like, like yep. they were, like, almost, they felt like balsa wood. Some of the bases were so light, you yeah. know? And just horrible, horrible tone. And then I remember when I saw an ad... I was working in a music store, you know, this is years ago now, but um, I saw an ad saying that, that, that BC Rich was coming back, and I'm like, all right, we'll check it out, and I was really impressed. Like, I don't know how, what they're doing right now, but I know when they first started coming back, I started carrying them at the store I was working at, and man, everything I got came to me from the factory, letter perfect. You know, set up, ready to roll. I was always impressed with that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. They definitely have a have this history of kind of going up and down in quality and, and how things you know fit finish tone and and all that stuff they're definitely you know one of those ones that certain eras are deservedly have that bad reputation i mean you know fender has kind of that you know cbs error and there was little spots in there where things weren't really that great but you know there were other great things that were made in there but yeah bc rich has kind of have this thing of coming up and down and uh, so it's kind of a, you know, feel bad for some, you know, players that don't really know when they go out and think that, you know, what they're getting is going to be great. And, you know, it looks the same, but then they play it and go, oh, this isn't quite it. So it's kind of a, you know, that kind of gets to be a bummer. But they have, I mean, the last couple of years they did put out some really nice things going back and some of the new, uh, going back to some of the neck through models and yeah. stuff, the, the premier models. And those those are really nice. I mean, I had picked up um, a... Uh, bitch 25th anniversary model 
And that one, I mean, it's it's a nice guitar. It plays nice and all that. It's just I don't intend to use it very much only because, believe it or not, the tone is just really, it's the brightest tone guitar I have. So it's it's I end up like, eh, I don't play a lot of stuff that I need to have that really bright tone. And if I'm going to go to that end, I'm probably going to use one of my strats instead. But, um, yeah, I mean, I like it. it. It plays nice. The neck feels good and all that. And build quality is pretty good on it. But like I said, tone is just just really bright but i've seen other people that have picked up you know recent models that probably just you know not not the greatest do you remember the bc rich virgin when it launched back in the 80s oh yeah and the the big hubbub of the uh the uh ads <laughs> that's where i was going that's good yeah. good i i will never forget that ad you know you've got the 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 beautiful girl in bed and this is all hand drawn you know it was, yep. was real but so and then the um the guitar beside her in bed and with the skeleton holding the guitar right. and the caption, you haven't tried anything till you've plucked a virgin. Yep. Like I remember getting in a, a written apology letter in my next guitar. I guess I think it was guitar for the practicing musician. And that yeah. time. Yeah, it was, it was, it was guitar for the practicing musician. Yeah. yeah. And they said the, the written apology letter. And I remember thinking like, who, who was upset about this? You know, like I, I was, barely 17, 18 when that came out, probably closer to 16, 17. And something I'm like, really? Who's upset? You know? Yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like it's a guitar ad. That's what they do. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, it was funny. That was a crazy set. Yeah, I tell you what, though, man. Like, all the crazy pink ones, it, it was wild, the crazy colors that you could find. And what's nice, though, about those crazy colors is like the powder pinks, obviously, if they're not, well, I think now they might be higher demand, but like towards the mid-90s, you could get those great guitars cheap if they were in those crappy colors. Oh, yeah. And that was that was the best part about going to shows, because, you know, you go, you find something in a really crappy color, it's like, okay, can I refinish this, and how hard will it be? Because, I mean, those were some awesome guitars. Yeah, because I've been looking, like the Charvel Model 3 came out in some of those crazy colors and yeah. I've always been looking because I, I like the 3 model it's a cool model with the features it has and everything and I've always wanted to get a model 3 and I've always kind of had a half an eyeball out for one of those ones it's in like you said one of these crappy colors that nobody wants and I you know I can just pull it apart and do a refin on it and make it great yeah they're out there that's the way to do it, man. That's the way to do it. All right. So, any other like other weird places you found guitars? You know, it's pretty much that's that's been pretty much the you know the only places really that you know that I've done that um, beyond. You know, I got like the Cameo bass, and then um, and I had gotten a, a Bellwood bass and uh, another amp just from you know hanging out with somebody and like their brother had it. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, I can, I'll take them off your hands kind of a thing. But, uh, yeah, it's just that's pretty much the main places where we end up you know, finding stuff. Uh, it's always been that thing of, you know, drive by a yard sale. You keep a half an eyeball out of there's something <laughs> yeah. cool that's there. But um, never really been able to strike it, you know, strike it lucky on that. And then the only other thing is, of course, you know, trolling eBay for, for stuff, you know, so often go through see if I can see something oddball or something I've been looking for. Um, that's that's been my other other thing is you know trying to replace things like I stupidly got rid of or something that might have might have broke or something. eBay and Craigslist probably t- still two one of the best places to 
to find gear nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I had um, I had this uh, the the DoD harmonic enhancer, and I love that pedal, and that was part of my sound for a long time. And basically, one day that pedal just died, just stopped working, and of course, it's been discontinued. I couldn't find it anywhere. And uh, then I just, when eBay came out, I just put that in my search criteria. And, you know, whenever someone came up, it let me know. And I just would watch auction after auction, year after year. And mine was in great shape. It just yeah. stopped working. And uh, finally, I ended up getting one a couple of years ago when I ended up paying like $18, which was, I, I think I just happened to hit it at the right time because people were buying these things up and I was watching them go up to like 50, 60, 70 dollars. And I'm like, I'm not paying that much for it. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, but I ended up getting it. It was like 18 bucks and I was like, Oh, this is great. I'm going to get this thing. And then my whole thing was going to be cause that, you know, the pedal wasn't like in the greatest shape as far as the, you know, the whole case and everything. I figured I'll just get it. I'll just take all the guts out and I'll put it into my old case and I'll be, I'll be good to go. And it ended up, it was a different rev. So the, whole internal casting was different so it doesn't fit i'm like god damn it but uh, yeah it works good pedal it just doesn't look as great as the other one does <laughs> but yeah it just it, it's just looking the thing that's bummer now is that a lot of is is now that people have shifted back to like some of these oddball things and appreciating them and and you, and you kind of see it with even now with like fender right when they they got their pawn shop series and oh, I love so those. even you know what i mean so they're they're kind of getting into that whole same thing of these kind of these funky guitars that aren't just a strat or you know yeah. so they're kind of leaning towards some of these these kind of things like the early like burns or harmony electrics and things that just look kind of funky and now people i think are you know something that you could have picked up for 100 bucks a couple of years ago because someone was like yeah this isn't a strat it isn't a gibson I'm, I'm just gonna i'll sell it cheap now they're like going oh no i guess i can probably end up getting you know a couple hundred bucks for it so it's been it's getting tougher to to find a lot of those cool deals. Did I tell you I picked up one of the Fender Pawn Shop series? No. I got the uh, the the fifty one. You did, dude. I love that guitar. Yeah. Like it 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 is it is everything I like about a guitar. Because I mean, you know, I'm a bass player by 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 trade. That's 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 what I've always done. And so when you put too many moving parts on a guitar, as much as I love a good Floyd Rose or even a Fulcrum tremolo, I'm I'm not good with them. Like, like I, the first thing I do if I if, when I get a strat, is I jack that bridge down tight so it's not going nowhere. Yep. And so the fifty one fixed bridge strings through the body, um, no switches. Everything's knobs. The one they have one knob for a selector switch. You've got the neck pickup single coil humbucker in the bridge. Again, one of my favorites humbucker in the bridge. You can pull. It's got push pull pots, so you can do coil splitting for that bridge pickup. So you can still get that single coil bridge strat sound. And my probably probably my all time favorite requirement for um, for my bass and my guitars, maple fingerboard. Yep, dude, I love it. I love this guitar. It plays great. It sounds great. You got a lot of tones out of it. And it wasn't that it wasn't that expensive. There was actually a guy. Um, and and this I don't know if we talked about this one either, but um. <clears throat> This um, music store, it turns out the guy's been in business here, like, locally to me, like, literally maybe 10, 20 minutes away for about 40 years on Main Street here. And um, I walked in the one day, and it's, you know, me and my daughter, we were all out having lunch, and so my wife and my son were walking one part of the street. My um, my daughter and I went down the other part, and I walk in, I'm like, hey, where'd all the guitars go? Like, because his store's always full, right? Always stocked full of guitars. And he's like, well... 
I, you know, I, I'm, I'm paring down. I think I'm going to retire here soon. I'm like, really? So um, I got a killer deal on that 51. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's gotten good reviews, too. Everyone seems to like them. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and it's funny. Like, I remember, like, you know, thinking about it, talking to my wife about it, because she knows I've been looking for it since they came out. And, you know, we talked and talked, and I'm like, okay, well, I'll tell you what, I'll sell a couple other guitars, which I've been in the process of doing. Um, but uh, they, they, I love this guitar. I absolutely love it. And and it's like what, what you said. Like, it, it's got a telly neck, it's got a strap body, and it's got the 51P bass pickguard. You know, it's just that mishmash. Mm. It certainly doesn't look remarkable, but I love it. Yeah. And there's just been a lot of a lot of trend to that, and you just kind of, it's just been catching on now. And I think maybe it is just the saturation of of all of those basic models. People have kind of like going away from those and just finding all these new niches, which you know kills us who are you know these guys who are going out there and looking for those deals before. Yeah, exactly. they're, just, they're just disappearing. But I mean, it goes in cycles too. So. Oh yeah. So check this out. I actually picked a guitar up at a flea market once. Um, 80 bucks for an Epiphone coronet with a case. Yeah, that's a cool guitar. It was, man. It, it was a weird weird body style. I'd never seen one. And again, had one of my requirements, the maple fingerboard. I love that. Um, beautiful, beautiful inlays. Like the uh, the logo is actually inlaid in the headstock. Yeah, the Epiphone. yeah. Like beautiful. Um, I sold it, of course. You know, again, kicking myself now. But that that was a that was a cool find again for eighty bucks. You know, anytime I can get any guitar that plays decent for under a hundred bucks, that's a good deal. Yeah, and you don't. I mean, you don't see those around very often either. No, you know, that's a, that's a cool. Yeah, that's a cool guitar actually. Yeah, yeah, that was a good find. All right, man. So I think we're we're towards the end here. Let's wrap this sucker up. All right. So shameless plug time. Let, let's tell tell them about your shows and everything you got going on. All right. Well, you can obviously uh, you can catch Focus on Metal every week, and uh, you know you find that either on the Cast Iron Ring, right along with Aaron's show, or obviously uh, you know FocusOnMetal.net, and um, you know there's links there, or um, also at uh, FocusOnMetal.blogspot.com. You can hook the episodes up there as well, and obviously on iTunes. And uh, and pure rock radio, but yeah, so that's pretty much you know every week we put that show out between me and me and Richie, and uh, we have a great time doing it. Awesome, man! And thanks again for coming on the show. Hey, no problem. I, I absolutely, you know, I love talking gear, and I don't really get to talk about it very much on on the show. If all well, I do, if I get an artist that basically <laughs> likes gear as much as I do, we end up going into it. But uh, yeah, no, I, you know, I love talking gear. Yeah, you'll you'll be you'll be coming back here soon. I got I got got a few more ideas. Things will be a good time. Yeah, no, I mean you're always like I said, we always have a great time. So, anytime. Thanks, man. All right, so listeners, signaltonoise.fm, Twitter, SGNL to the number two NZ, of course, castironring.com. Check out everything that's going on over there. Um, tons and tons of great shows. We've got Wiki Metal. I think they're our newest. Uh, Mars Attacks, still one of the new guys. Bob Nalbandian's podcast. What's, what's he got going on now? Is that Shockwaves or Skull Sessions? Or is it the same thing? Hard Radio? It's it's, it's still the uh, the Shockwaves Hard Radio. And, and Skull Sessions has kind of been... Um, he's been having to do them, but they're not 
they're not linked up right, so you kind of okay. have to go and download them. But he's still doing them. But but the main one, yeah, Shockwaves, Hard Radio, he's still doing that. Cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. All right, we got Focus on, well, you're Focus on Metal. We know that one. Radioactive Metal, who am I missing? Bone Hand. Bone Hand, yeah. Is that everybody? I feel so, like we're missing somebody. Well, I, I know, me too. We got Victor. Oh, well, John, Iron City Rocks. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. yeah that, I don't I, want to miss John. I know, I Iron like City Rocks. I still feel like we're missing home. somebody. Me too. Well... Go to Cast Iron Ring, and then you can tweet me and tell me who we forgot. So that'll be all right. So until next time, make some noise. We're out. (laughs) 